God. Just go, okay, so here's the deal. <clears throat> so I, I've, got, I, I've got a law firm. And we've got a number of people who work for us. And, and well over 50 lawyers that work for us. And because it's a, a, of that size, I don't work closely with a lot of the lawyers. But there are a few that I work closely with. And over the last six months or so, two that I work very closely with have declared to me uh, uh, that they, for reasons that, that are personal uh, to them, their families and all, that they need to move on and go work uh, uh, on their own or, or in another place. And I, I respect those decisions. Uh, 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 those are not easily reached and and it uh, can cause some sorrow because uh, uh, two of these folks were very good friends of mine, worked closely with me. But I recognized, at least in one case, uh, that the, the gentleman was right. He really needed to move on. And God bless him. And I pray for him and still keep in touch with him. And, and he and his family have moved from Houston to uh, where they needed to be uh, for, for a good family uh, and, and uh, all of the rest of that mess. Then I got one just last week. I'm thinking, well, you don't, you shouldn't be quitting. This is a stupid idea. And I told him, I said, this is a stupid idea. I said, here are four or five things I want you to think about. And I'm tearing this up. And if you want to quit, uh, you'll have to rewrite me again. Because I'm looking at this thing, this is just stupid. Now, I may be wrong, and he may be right. And if he needs to quit, then God bless him. And and, uh, I love him, and I hope he does well. Um, But if I'm right, then I hope he doesn't. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how do you make those decisions? How does the world make those decisions? As Christians, we would think that we need to hear the word of God for those decisions. And and we want to hear the word of God because we, we have these big decisions in life that shout for it. And then sometimes it's not those big decisions in life. Sometimes it's just smaller decisions. I'm, I'm, you know, not as concerned about am I going to work here or am I going to work there or am I going to go to this school or am I going to go to that school? You know, it might be something much smaller. It might be something... You know, I met a gentleman uh, this morning, uh, uh, Charlie, who's visiting our class. If you met a Charlie then, uh, uh, and he was friendly, then you may have met the same Charlie I did. I told you this is the first time in our class. I said, you know, this class may be the right place that you enjoy. And if so, and if God ministers and blesses you here, I hope you come back. But if it's not, don't give up on our church. We got like a ton of other classes that are really, really good that I'd go to if I wasn't in here. So just, you know, fine. So some decisions aren't these massive decisions. What am I going to do for a living? Who am I going to marry? Am I going to marry? Some of them are much smaller decisions, but we still, how do we make those decisions? And I know that we want to hear God. But I think that there is a realistic question of are we hearing God or are we hearing someone else? We might even be hearing the enemy. So which it is, is sometimes not so easily discerned. I'm convinced that this is not a novel thing. 
I think this is something that's been recognized in the church for some time. And I believe that in part because of Matthew and his gospel. Matthew chapter 16, a gospel that we were in this morning as Dr. Fleming, Pastor Dave, was preaching. He was in the ninth chapter, but we're in the 16th chapter to look at this. And let's, um, let's go through it if we can put the scripture up on the Elmo, please. Or the Elmo up on the uh, screen. Yeah, we're there. Thank you, guys. So <clears throat> look at Matthew 16. It starts out, and you can tell by just reading the titles that the English Standard Version translators put on here. The Pharisees and Sadducees demand signs. They came, and they came to test Jesus. And they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he talks to them about it and he speaks with them. And then the disciples leave and they go to the other side. And it's there that they realize they didn't have any bread. So Jesus feeds accordingly and talks to them about it. And says, you know, why are you worried about not having bread? You were there when I fed. You were there when I fed. And then look what happens. From there, we have Jesus coming into the district of Caesarea Philippi. That's uh, in the northern region of, of Israel. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, the disciples of Jesus answer that, and they say, some claim you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Or they might have one of the other prophets. He said, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And look, Simon Peter replied, Christ, the son of the living God. Now, the important thing for this purpose of this class this morning is Jesus's answer. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Bar is Aramaic for son. A Hebrew would be Ben, but... Aramaic is Bar, Simon, son of Jonah, which is another name for Peter, Simon Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Peter knows Jesus is the Son of God because he's been listening and had revelation from God. Peter didn't think it up on his own. Peter understood it, but the revealing of it really was from God the Father. Now, Matthew, right on the heels of this story, right on the heels, as that story ends in verse 20, Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one he was the Christ. This is where Matthew goes next. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples he's got to go to Jerusalem. He's got to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes. He's going to be killed. On the third day, he's going to be raised. And Peter, same guy, Simon Bar-Jonah, Peter takes him aside and rebukes Jesus. (laughs) First of all, that's pretty bold to say you're the son of God. Now I'm going to rebuke you. Saying... Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And then here's the thrust. What Matthew nuzzles up 
next to Peter hears the voice of God and says Jesus is the Christ, where Peter says, don't do what God's called you to do, Jesus turns and says to him, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on things of man. The Greek there, you're not thinking the way God thinks. You're thinking the way a human might think. Isn't that an interesting contrast? Those two stories, Matthew nestles right up against each other. In one, Peter is speaking, hearing the word of God. And in the next, Peter is boldly rebuking the Son of God because he thinks he's right, but he's thinking like a man and actually is the adversary in his hearing from Satan. And that's Peter. So if we go back to the PowerPoint, we've got this issue of where are we hearing the voice of God and how do we hear? Now, this fits in naturally And I should have included it to some degree in earlier classes. Gail Stanart came up to me a couple of weeks ago and she says, you know, you've left this out. It really needs to be in there. I said, you're right on the nose. I mean, that's exactly what needs to be in there. Because one common thread behind why I'm not a Mormon and why I'm not a Muslim is that both Mormonism and, and Islam believe that God came and spoke to leaders who started the movement, for lack of a better word. I don't mean that offensively. But Muhammad says God spoke to him, and that was the Quran. And so the Quran is God's message that came through the prophet Muhammad. And from that flows the Islamic religion. Joseph Smith says God came to him, directly and through angels, and gave him the Mormon scriptures, whether through an ability to translate golden tablets or in more direct revelation for some of the other writings. And so Joseph Smith says, this is the word of God. And Mormon adherents follow it that way. And I look at those religions and I weigh their scriptures against the Bible and I find that their scriptures contradict the Bible. Even though both Muhammad and Joseph Smith claimed that the Bible was also God's revelation and word. As long as it was properly transmitted, translated and understood. Now, are we to say as Christians, God no longer speaks to us, and hence, Muhammad must be wrong, hence, Joseph Smith must be wrong? No, that's not what I've said. Because God does continue to speak to his children, both individually and in a more church corporate sense. We hold the Bible up, But let's not be mistaken. Do you know why this is the scriptures for the church? Yes, it's because it's God-breathed. But who decided 
what's in here and what's not. The church. The church, through listening, prayer, study, and other things, made a determination of what is Scripture and what's not. So we believe God still speaks to the church. We believe God still speaks to our leaders, but we believe God still speaks to us individually. So the question becomes, if God is speaking to us, then how does he speak? And how do we hear? And how do we discern that it is God? You can look at the Bible. How does God speak in the Bible? How are you going to hear God? Well, the Bible doesn't say it's a magic eight ball. Did y'all ever have a magic eight ball? You know, you get it out of the package. You say, are you telling me the truth? And you turn it upside down. My reply is no. A Ouija board. Are we going to hear the word of God through a Ouija board? Uh, uh, no. How about those uh, uh, Chinese fortune sticks? I think they're called like, um, they're not food to, I forgot the name of them, but there's a real name. And you shake them out and one of them will come out. And the one that comes out is supposed to have your prophetic word. That one says, nope, not happening. And then, we've really got... What? Could it be? I'm feeling it. I'm seeing bell bottoms. I'm seeing... I'm seeing... Loud clothes and beads. I think we found the hippie movement. And love is going to rule the stars. Because this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Are we going to get it through the horoscope pages? Because the stars are going to tell us what God is thinking and doing in our lives. No, none of that. None of that. If you look in your New Testament, you're going to see that God speaks and look in your Bible. What's the first thing we hear God say in the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the first thing God says? Let there be light. God speaks creation into being. Now, one of the things we should get from that is we ought to be able to hear the voice of God in the things that are made. And the Bible bears testimony that the moon and the stars are declaring the majesty of God. And if we're not listening to that, we're missing something. Paul says that the evidence of God is is in the things that he's made. 
We can hear the voice of God. Now, does that mean that we hear it with crystal clarity? No. Does that mean it's not uh, open to interpretation? No. But it's clearly one way God has spoken. But let's take it a step further. Abraham is hanging out doing the things that Abraham did when he receives three visitors who tell him that Sarah is going to have a child. And those visitors are the Lord. Messengers from the Lord. Well, that's pretty interesting. Moses hears God from a burning bush. The bush isn't consumed. We read in the Psalms about a God in a still, small voice speaking to us. Belshazzar, in the book of Daniel, sees the hand of God writing on a wall. Now, all of these seem to be ways that God has spoken historically, though very rarely. But it's happened. But then we roll into the New Testament, and we're told that Jesus is the Word of God. You want to hear God? Listen to Jesus. You want to hear God? Watch Jesus. Because we're going from something, you know, I, how many of y'all were around on, on the first uh, two or three days of creation? That was a trick question. Humanity is not made till day six. See, we weren't there for that, though we can still see God in creation. We weren't there for the burning bush. We weren't there for the tent of Abraham. Those were very special select moments in history. But by the time we get to Jesus, we get to a word that God is speaking for all humanity. Jesus didn't come for 12 people. Jesus didn't come for his family on earth. Jesus came for God's kingdom, his heavenly family, his bride. So you've got Jesus as a message for everyone. And when you see Jesus, when you hear Jesus, you are seeing and hearing the word of God. From A to Z, from Alpha to Omega, from beginning to end. It's the whole deal. The writer of Hebrews starts out this Hebrews sermon by saying, In the past, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers through the prophets. But in these latter days, he's spoken to us through his son. And so to the extent Christianity has validity, if it's valid, we need to see God's final word in his son. Now, does that mean God's not adding additional ways of communicating that to us? Of course he is. Paul writes in Corinthians that spiritual truths are learned by the Spirit. And when apart from the Spirit of God, we don't have understanding. All of that we'll get to. But we need to understand the importance of Jesus as the consummate, apex, Word of God. And of course, the testimony to Jesus is found through the writings of those he selected, and as he said in John, would be given the Holy Spirit 
to recall and to teach about Jesus and what he did and why he did it. And so the Christian understanding of what is Scripture is what are those holy writings breathed by God's Holy Spirit into those selected by Jesus to bear witness or testimony to the Word of God so that we can read that, study that, and hear God. So how do we discern if we're hearing God? Well, I'd love to give you um, I'd love to give you a, a, a magic eight ball, but it doesn't work that way. I'd love to tell you read your horoscope, but it doesn't work that way. I'd love to give you some magic trick for knowing when it's God, but it doesn't work that way. I'd love to tell you that there are Urim and Thummim stones that are around today that you can look at and use to determine if it's the Word of God. But it doesn't work that way. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. says, we're not looking for this stuff through magic. Deuteronomy 10, uh, uh, 18 speaks of, if we can put this up on the overhead, please. Thank you. Speaks of, when you come into the land that God, that the Lord, Yahweh, your God is giving you, don't follow abominable practices of those nations. What are the abominable practices? Well, you don't burn your son or daughter as an offering. It's going to hurt the Vikings. You don't practice divination. You don't do fortune telling. You don't interpret omens. You're not using sorcerers or charmers or a medium or a necromancer or someone who inquires of the dead. If you do these things, it's an abomination to the Lord. It's one of the reasons God's driving them out. These are these are these nations God's driving out that listen to fortune tellers. The Lord your God hasn't allowed you to do that. And then look what it says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses, from among you. It's to whom you shall listen. It is to him you shall listen. Christianity. Well, let's start with Judaism. Judaism at the time of Christ understood this to be a messianic promise. Moses is talking about the Messiah. Jesus is that Messiah. That's the proclamation Peter made. You are the Messiah. The son of the living God. You are the one that the Lord God raised up. A prophet like Moses. To whom we shall listen. Because you, Jesus, are the word of God. You live it and you speak it. So it's not to be found in magic. We live in the post-Jesus era. Magic has no place in this world for us. We don't need a new message beyond Jesus. We don't need a new prophet to teach us something Jesus didn't. 
We don't use magic. You go to Acts 13 and read about the magician who encounters Paul. Paul slices and dices that fellow. Elimas. You go to Acts 19. Where the gospel comes in, the magicians start burning all of their omen books and their books of spells and incantations. Because Jesus Christ, as our deliverer, has put his spirit within us as believers. And we don't need that. In 2 Timothy 3.13, Paul tells Timothy, he says, um, uh, 2 Timothy 3.13, There we go. He talks about how evil people and imposters, that Greek word for imposters is a word that talks about people who are like magic related. You know, they're trying to tell you things through horoscopes and through through the stars or through reading the lizard or gizzard of some animal that's been killed. These imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Some of them think they're actually accurate. Some of them may be listening to demons. They may even be accurate. But that's not what the believers to listen to. And Paul's clear. He says, you continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Scripture is breathed out by God. Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness that the man or woman of God would be Can you all read that word? Complete. Scripture can make us complete. The word teleos there. It means mature. We we don't need something new. We don't need magic. So within the framework of that, if we go back to the PowerPoint, how do we discern the voice of God? Let me make some suggestions. And they're all centered on this. Look at the examples of the apostles and look at the teachings of the New Testament. Because that's going to give us great insight into how we need to do this for our own lives. And here's what I find in the apostolic teaching, and by that I mean explicit teaching or teaching by example. I find the following. Prayer. Prayer is something that we need to be doing to discern the will of God. We need to pray, not only Jesus says you pray that God's will will be done when he taught the Lord's Prayer to his followers, but we need to be praying to understand and discern God's will. We need to pray for direction. When we have the doors open in front of us, we need to pray about it. Now, I'd love to pray, God, write the answer on the wall. And I'm not saying he can't do that. But I'm telling you, don't wait for it. Because that's not the normal course of business. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But we need to pray. Look at Colossians 4.12 and Ephesians 1.16 through 19. And by the way, good time to tell you. If you don't have the lesson, that's what that slide was, Janet. Now I got it. 
If you don't have the lesson, you can download it even while you're sitting there and writing. There's more stuff in the written lesson than there is in what I'm saying. And Mark Christmas, you've never been so loved as you are right now by so many people who said to me, I had to run out my own lesson this morning. I said, well, thank Mark Christmas for doing it for 30 years with his team. Um, um, what am I looking up? Colossians 4.12. Yeah, clap for Mark Christmas. I'm going to skip the Colossians when you all find that on your own. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Look at this. Paul says the following. I don't cease to give thanks for you, and I remember you in my prayers. Look what Paul prays for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That doesn't mean in an intellectual awareness of who Jesus is. They already have that intellectual awareness. But it means in a, a thriving, growing understanding of Jesus, the word of God, the voice of God, and what it means in their lives. That, that, that it would be revealed to them, that they would understand how God is speaking to them through Jesus. That the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened that they would know the hope to which God has called them, that they would know what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints are, that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those of us who have faith, who believe, according to the working of his great might. See, Paul understood the importance of prayer, and he's constantly asking for prayer and offering prayer because prayer is one of the ways we discern the voice of God. Now, if we go back to the PowerPoint, please. When I was a kid, I remember learning this and thinking, okay, well, I'm praying, but this is like a one-way phone call. I mean, I'm talking to him. Why isn't he talking to me? Ah. Let's don't stop with prayer. Thinking. Contemplating meditating, using your brain. Look, we have this dog. Her name is Tizzy. We can't decide if she's smart or not. In some ways, she seems very smart. She likes to play games. You say the word treat, she knows exactly what you mean. You say the word walk, she knows exactly what you mean. If she hears one certain drawer open, she knows there are treats there. It's the same drawer we've got right below it. But she can tell the difference in sound between the two because when one of them opens, she gets a treat. When the other doesn't, she comes running. Seems to be a brilliant dog until you try to figure out why she thinks the house is her urinal. Stupid, stupid, stupid dog does not understand that the house is not the great outdoors. Don't get me wrong. She doesn't do it in her space. She does it in our space. Now, God didn't make us to be puppy dogs that are trained by him with limited brains where he tells us when we get a treat, when we don't get a treat, and where we have to go to the bathroom. God made us as thriving, real thinking people. 
I mean, it is the creator God who said, let us make man in our image. And so we have an ability to be creative thinkers. We can do things dogs can't do. We can contemplate the future in ways that dogs can't. And God gave us this mind for us to use. Thinking is a good thing. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the power verse for this class today. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The power verse. This says it all. Apostle Paul writing, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Use your body for the good of the kingdom. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Tell me more, Paul. Okay. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't live the way the world does. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What's good and acceptable and perfect or complete or mature. Same word he used in the other passage. Look at this. This is profound. That by testing you may discern. This by testing you may discern is one word in the Greek. It's dokizomai. And, and what it means is to think about something and to test it. To, to, to prove it. To make sure it, 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 it's right, that it's working. He's calling on you to use those little gray cells, as Hercule Perot calls them. He's calling on us to renew our minds by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, through our study, through our prayer, and all the rest, because through our minds, we're supposed to be able to determine what the will of God is. God is, God didn't make us to be a computer program. He didn't make us to be a puppy dog. God made us to be thinking people that reflect His glory. And part of reflecting the glory of God is an ability to learn and to recognize the difference between good and evil. It's in that that we're learning to make good choices. It's in that that he's training us back to be what we were before the fall. So, so, so part of hearing the will of God is praying about it, but it's thinking about it. It's chewing on it. It's studying about it. And so, you know, 1 Timothy 3, Paul says to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who has no need to be ashamed. Actually, that's 1 Timothy 2. Or he says that. First Timothy 3 is then when he says that all Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching you, for training you, for giving you the will of God. But that's what we're called to do. We're, we're doing what um, uh, Alistair McGrath calls discipling the mind. We're trying to learn to think godly ways. And so we've got to be in prayer. We've got to be thoughtful. But that immediately says we've got to be studying the Bible. And here are the Timothy passages, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study is the King James word. The English Standard Version says be diligent. 
to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who has no reason to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling or thinking through or studying the word of truth. See, that's what we're called to. We, we have the Bible. We have God's word. We have this testimony to him. And we, are, we have this word that's come from him. Secured and affirmed and validated by the, the, the great history of the church. And so we've got this scripture that attests as the word of God and attests to Jesus as the word of God. And we spend time in it and we study it and we pray about it and we think about it and we use our minds and, and we disciple our minds. And then we can interact with each other and seek godly counsel. I hope when I stand up here and teach, I hope when I write these lessons, I'm not just here because I got nothing better to do until the football games start this afternoon. I have better things to do. I could be eating. Those donuts, do you know how much better they are when they're hot from ship? I don't mean to say anything negative about the people who make our donuts. They're wonderful donuts. Thank you. We love you. Hot Shipley's donuts. I mean, we don't need to come eat the donuts that are two hours old. I'm not up here because I'm bored. If I'm not giving you something to think about, if I'm not giving you godly counsel, albeit through a mass production, then don't come here. Go find someone who is. Because part of the Word of God being heard by us includes us hearing what other people are hearing. By the way, don't just buy everything I'm saying either. Test it. Discern. Think it through. I make mistakes. I not only make mistakes, I don't have it all figured out. If you go back and listen to some of my lessons from 17 years ago, which through the wonders of the internet you can, you'll find that I've changed my mind on some things in the last 17 years. And it's not that, that, that I'm perfect, far be it. But what we're doing here is all part of this godly process of training us and growing us up in Him so that we can better discern His will. Acts 15 is a tremendous example of counsel. Here's the issue the church was faced with. Paul's been out on the mission field with some others. The Greeks are becoming Christians by the droves. And the Jerusalem church, the apostles, are sitting there scratching their head, saying, okay, we got a serious issue here. Do the Greek pagan Gentiles who want to become Christians, do they need to be Jews first? We're Christians. We were Jews. We're completed Jews. That's what a Messianic Jew is, a completed Jew. So if we're completed Jews as believers in Jesus, and now these Goyim are coming in, that's what we Gentiles are. We're a bunch of Goyim. Goy in the singular. The, now that that... that Goyim are coming in. Don't they need to convert to Judaism first so they can be completed Jews? Like, And the church says, okay, we got to figure this out. 
What's the church do? They don't roll the dice. They don't get out their cheat sticks or whatever those are. They don't have a magic eight ball. They don't check the horoscopes. They sit down as a group and they pray. And they search the scriptures and they debate with one another. And they go back and forth seeking counsel, discussion. And then through the scripture and the prayer and the discussion and the thinking, they write a letter declaring the opinion of the church. And if you read the letter, the letter says it was revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, or it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to write and tell you the following. Because they recognized the Holy Spirit was at work in their midst while they were doing these things. So apostolic teaching is there. Now, be alert. God's going to close doors. God's going to open doors. But I got an email from a friend in the class who said to me, I've read the lesson. I'm trying to figure out, did God close this door? Did someone else? Am I supposed to kick it down? Every time I kick it down, it just hurts my foot. What am I supposed to do? God wants you to grow through these things. He wants you to figure it out. I'm convinced he'll open the doors for you to walk through. Or he'll give you the insight to kick them in. Some people come up to me and say, well, you know, I've prayed and prayed. I've got these two choices and I can't figure out which one's right. I've prayed. I've studied the scriptures. I've sought counsel. It's still, I can't figure it out. You know what? My suspicion is God's telling you it's your pick. I'll bless you either way you go. The Proverbs say, if in all of your ways you will acknowledge the Lord, he will make your paths straight ones. I'm acknowledging the Lord. I'm trying my hardest. I know the heart's deceptive above all things. I know my heart. Oh, I had one fellow one time sent me an email, said he was riding in an airplane with someone. And the guy next to him was telling him, oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Christian too. I love the Lord. The Lord Lord told me about, uh, you know, he spoke to my heart. And he just saved my life. Really, what happened? Well, I was, I, was, I was having an affair on my wife. And the Lord said to me, divorce your wife and marry your lover. And it's just, it's just been real. I, loved, I love the Lord. I'm sitting there going, time out, buddy Rue. <laughs> Hold on there. God's not going to tell you something different than he's told you in Scripture. See, that's my problem. That's where I go back to the Joseph Smith stuff. Do I go back to the Muhammad stuff? If it's not consistent with this, it's not the word of the Lord. So I'm going to spend my time doing this thing. I'm going to spend my time studying, but I'm going to be alert. I'm going to listen. I'm going to look. You realize all of these things, praying, thinking, studying, counsel, listening, watching. All of those things are the combo platter for lunch. They all interrelate to each other. We pray about what we're studying. We think about what we're studying. We get counsel from people. We think about what they tell us. We compare it to Scripture. We're listening for the Lord. We're watching to see if God's moving in some direction. But in the midst of all of that, it's all just, it's a bowl of spaghetti. You can't figure out where one noodle starts and the other one ends. It's all mixed up together. 
And that's the way it should be. So here are your points for home. Number one, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Paul says. That's fantastic. Because what it's saying is, as we grow in this way, it will change who we are. Well, I'm just this way. I just have these problems. There's nothing I can do about it. I've had them now for a long time. It's just the way I am. Oh, time out. Renew your mind and you'll transform who you are. Let God renew your mind and God will transform who you are. It's be transformed. Let God do it. You're, you're the passive recipient of the work of God when you're renewing your mind. I'm glad I'm not a puppet. I thank the Lord I'm not a computer program. My mind is, is slippery at times. My mind is deceptive at times. My mind can trick me at times. But by golly, God's at work in my mind, and it's changing who I am, and I thank him for that. Number two, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's that Acts 15 passage. Because as you counsel, as you pray, as you, as you study, as you deliberate, as you contemplate, as you cogitate, as you meditate, as you think and work through these things with your spirit open to God and prayerful before the Lord, He will make His truth known to you. He will lead you and He will guide you and you can trust Him to make your paths straight. And point three, by testing you may discern what is the will of God. By testing, by thinking, by cogitating. Now remember, your minds are, are, are part of your fallen creature. Don't start thinking more of yourself than you are. But again, that's part of your thinking too. So we want to do that. We need to seek out discernment. It's not a magic eight ball. And I'm not going to let someone else come tell me that they've gotten a word from the Lord that's contrary to what I know God has said. And that's why I am where I am today on this. May God bless you. Can I say a word of blessing over you and let's go eat lunch before we watch Aaron Rodgers win or lose. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus. I thank you that we can gather together with zero fear that some authority is going to come in here and and incarcerate us or worse because we are seeking you. Father, put a burning desire in all of our hearts to seek you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds. We'll love you with all of our heart, our soul, our minds and that you will work within us to, to transform us into all we can be for you, your kingdom, your glory. Bless my brothers and my sisters here today in Jesus. Amen.